Welcome back to Jamie D and Big Newt. I'm Jamie D'Amico. He is Big Chris Newton. Not only is he one of my truly close friends, but he is my tag team partner in crime. We've made it through an entire season together. I am thrilled to be doing this. So my question is, you on point, Newt? I'm on point, Jay. You on point, Newt? I'm on point, Jay. You on point, Newt? I'm on point, Jay. Then play the Resurrector and give the dead some life? (laughs) Thank you for having that A Tribe Called Quest moment with me. I thought we did. Did we do this all before? I feel like we've done it before. That felt so uh, No, bad. we haven't done that. That was that was pure spontaneity, and you were right there with me. It was beautiful. I like it. I like it. Happy Mardi Gras, my friend. You know I got New Orleans roots. Midwest kid, man, lived in New Orleans a few years, so we had our king cake today and celebrate Mardi Gras. So happy Mardi Gras to you, man. It is a wonderful holiday. Love our raging Cajuns down there. So for all of you listeners, what we're going to do today, we're going to take a look at the season that was where the Buffalo Bills finished 13 and three, and we're going to hand out letter grades to position groups. And the reason we're doing this is because we are very close to embarking on free agency and draft season, but you can't know what to do in free agency or the draft unless you know where you are currently. And that's what we're going to talk about. And big man, I'm willing to bet that you've got some feelings. You've got some thoughts. You've got some ideas about this whole thing. I do, man. I'm giving everybody an A, so let's just get to talking trash. So (laughs) (laughs) We made it to the AFC Championship game, dude. I can't knock my team, man. Who am I to knock my team after we just had one of the best seasons in almost 30 years, man? Well, I mean, it's a great point, but they (laughs) didn't win the Super Bowl, so they could be better, right? Oh, man. If I was near you right now, I'd kick you right in your Johnson for saying these things, man. (laughs) Don't act brand new, dude. Don't act like we just been winning. This is the greatest thing that happened in my adult life. I mean, it's the birth of my kids and marrying my wonderful wife, and then it's this season. Wow. <laughs> can you just can you imagine if Notre Dame got equally as far? Well, I guess they did. They got we to did. the semis. Yeah, we got to the semis and got smacked in the mouth again. But, yeah, I mean – once again, man, it's been a great year. 2020 was good. It sucked for COVID and regular life stuff. But as far as my sport teams, I can't complain. Speaking of COVID, and let me just take a little detour here. This is our official COVID version of this show, our COVID episode. I am getting over the COVID-19. And I'm, I'm bringing that up as a public service announcement because I did everything right I was so careful, but we had contractors coming into my house and I ended up with this damn bug. And let me tell you something. I've heard about how it's no worse than a cold. Well, let me tell you, that was not my experience. It kicked my ass so badly. I haven't been this sick since I had mono when I was in college. And it came with like, None of the fun of obtaining it as Mono did. So. <laughs> what? Hey, man. What? 
I mean, hold on, I gotta stop you, man. So you said it was come with none of the fun. That's just like somebody who got an STD. It was like, man, it sucks. I caught an STD in college and it wasn't. <laughs> I have to tell you, Jamie, it was so fun in 92 when I caught that STD, man. But I just I got it. That's is that why they called you the clap back then? <laughs> <laughs> oh my god that's what I, okay i got a question i know we got to get off because i was expecting yeah. all this at the end but you just knowing you man you just dive right in man you just stick your hand right in there um yeah. i got a question so is there any covid shame because like i said i've seen you once since then we met up and watched the uh coach wild card game right and you right. was very precautious. You know, you was masked up. You stayed away, had your gloves on. You know, I, I, I know how you were. So is there any COVID shame involved? Because I know I always think of myself, if I catch COVID, it's going to be like a little COVID shame. Like if you get that itch, like that STD itch, you see people itching and stuff. I mean, I don't know anything about that, but you see people itching like <laughs> a little COVID shame. Do you have any of that? Well, listen, uh, on that part of it. Well, first of all, they make you walk around with a scarlet C on you, right? But yeah, you know, it's interesting because the people that I know well all said the same thing. They're like, "What? How in the world did you catch it? You're so careful." But people that don't know you and how careful you are, they definitely shame you. They definitely are like, well, you obviously did something stupid. You obviously didn't care. You didn't wear a mask. You weren't right. uh, keeping your distance from people. And it's like, no, I swear to God, I did all of that. And somehow I still ended up with it. And, oh, let me tell you, that's the last thing you want to hear when you're running a fever and you have body aches that are just excruciating. I ran a fever for 12 days straight. It was horrendous and like i said getting mono is terrible and i was really sick when i had that but contracting mono was fun <laughs> contracting covid i don't even know how it happened other right. than perhaps uh we had some contractors coming through our house we just bought a new house and that may have been it even though we stayed in a different room kept the windows open and made sure everybody was masked 100% of the time Right. So frustrating. Anyway, uh, for those of you who have had it and it wasn't that bad, great for you. Uh, for those of you who haven't had it, do everything you can to try to stay away from it. Because if you get what I had, it's it's just not fun and you don't want that. And I don't want that for you. We love our Bills Mafia. We want you all to be safe and happy and healthy. Most definitely. Okay. So that's my diatribe talking about myself, which is my favorite topic outside of you, big man. I like talking about the big newt better than anything, though. I wish I had some cool stories, man. I really don't. Um, I mean, we that's quite much right. Just sitting around, and like I said, it's a bunch of soccer practices and basketball games, and that's about it. We did go to uh, Penn State. We went up to Happy Valley last weekend. My daughter had an AAU tournament up there. And uh, my, my wife was telling me, hey, man, be careful because you know how I get when we go on the road, you know, the coaches and the parents, we, you know, we meet in the lobby and have some Tito's or, you know, I'm <laughs> my wife and she was like, yep, you're going. And so the whole thing, that's why I asked you about COVID shame, because it's like 
I feel like she's breathing on the back of my neck, waiting for me to sure. get COVID. Just like when I came up there with you, she's looking at me like, yeah, okay, you going to hang out with Jamie, huh? Yeah, okay, with the backers, huh? So I know she just wait for me to get that COVID. So I be sitting here, can't breathe, and I'm on I'm like struggling to catch my breath. She's just going to be, yeah, she's going to take care of me, but she's going to be looking at me like I told you so. You know, yeah, you see, the thing is, every time you hang out with me, your wife assumes that you're going to catch some kind of disease, and I resent that. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god, although she must not hate me because we are now uh connected on LinkedIn. Yeah, she said, she said, when I threw you over my shoulder and was walking around with you, she's like, man, why you put Jamie's Johnson on your shoulders, man? And I'm like, I'm just threw the dude up, man. Like, I'm trying. I'm like, geez, that what you saw in that video? Like, come on, dude. I just picked my dog up, man. Like, why I got to make it all weird, man? Uh, go to Twitter. We posted it there. Anyway, we, we've got a show to do here. We're almost 10 minutes in and we have not talked about the bills and that's what we're here to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm thinking that we're going to start with the offense and we're going to start with the most important position quarterback. How do you grade the Buffalo bills quarterback situation? If you have anything less than a plus, I'm choking you. And this is, and I I can see you maybe having an A, because if you look at the uh, last part of the year, man, I mean, we finished since our halfway mark when we did the mid grades. I mean, we finished nine and two. That's including the two playoff wins and the one loss, seven and one in the regular season, and that one loss came to Arizona on the uh, the hail mary, right? Yeah. So, but since then, man, I mean. Josh Allen has been, and I can't reiterate it. We said it week in, week out. The dude finished second in MVP, made the Pro Bowl, uh, second team All Pro, made a most. He he's made an improvement unlike any other probably in NFL history from year year two to year three. I mean, the dude is amazing. Um, mm-hmm. I, I give him just just on the strength of him, Matt Barkley, Webb. Uh, from I could care less about. I mean, just on the strength of him, I'm giving the guy A+. And I am going to have to agree with that because we didn't have to see Matt Barkley, Jake Fromm, Davis Webb. If we did, it would probably knock that rating lower because, frankly, I don't think those guys are very good and I don't think they belong playing in NFL games. The only time we saw Matt Barkley was mop-up duty. So A+. The quarterback position, Josh Allen, finishing number two in the MVP voting. How can you have anything other than an A plus for that guy? And we could gush, we could go on for, we could go on for hours about him. But what's left to be said? I mean, we all saw it with our own eyes. He was amazing, and I I hate to use superlatives because they don't really express very much, but. It was one of the best seasons we have ever seen out of a quarterback. Statistically, was the best season we've seen a Buffalo Bill have. Now, granted, it's very difficult to compare uh, a quarterback play now to 30 years ago when Jim right. Kelly was doing it. Right. But still. Right. He led us. 
and somewhere we haven't been in 30 years. He also not only finished second in the MVP vote over Mahomes, losing it to Aaron uh, Rodgers from Green Bay, but he also won NFL uh, Fantasy Player of the Year. All right. Yeah. So that just honors him and just shows uh, what kind of numbers that he put up. It was just bananas, man. I mean, if he could just hold this on, I have no problem. Remember, we had an episode uh, during the season of whether we should pay him or not. Um, we need to go ahead and take care of that. If we can find it some way um, under the salary cap and take care of this, I don't want this lingering. Let's just go ahead and take care of it and solidify him as our franchise guy. Yeah, I, I think they're going to have to get very serious about doing that. And, um, you know, when it comes to when it comes to his performance, let's not forget against the Raiders, he injured his non-throwing shoulder and he played with that through the rest of the season. You could see that he had a brace on it. So the guy did what he did and he wasn't a hundred percent. Right. Such, such a, a fun season really because of him. Man, I tell you, man, we got a tough group of guys, man. It's just like the city of Buffalo, tough as nails, blue collar, it's a couple of cities like that. You got Pittsburgh, Cleveland, all those cities, man. And, and, and the Buffalo team represents the city, man, because you got him injured. You got Beasley out there on one leg. You got uh, my boy uh, John Brown out there with a probably a sore Achilles and r- running on one leg. I mean, we got guys that really pushed through, man, and toughed it out. And I understand they always say at the end of the year, everybody's hurt. I get it. But for Beasley to go out there and play off games and put up performances with broken legs, man, that's that's amazing. Yeah, not everybody is hurt to that extent. Uh, so now let's shift it over to the running back position. This one is kind of difficult to assess. Would you not agree with that? It is because it's multi-layered. Um, it is. I, I gave them a C. Um, both of our running backs, all right, were like 4.2, 4.3, 4. 4.4 yards per carry. We want that number to be towards five. The cream of the crop, which we probably could agree on, is uh, a kid out of uh, Tennessee, Henry. And yeah. he averages almost six yards a carry. Um, Ridiculous. I mean, that's a lot of yards per carry. Right. And TJ Yeldon on our roster Average seven yards a carry. And we saw him in the playoffs uh, when Singletary was faltering and he got an opportunity. I wish him and Williams, and we've said this before, I wish him and Williams would have got more more looks um, in that situation. You know what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. with their production, I have to give them a C. I don't necessarily think that they're a C talent, though. All right? Okay. And so that could be corrected with, Maybe a new running game coordinator. Uh, maybe fixing uh, a couple of maybe two parts on the offensive line. Perhaps those things could be corrected. I don't think. I don't think by watching them, they're C talent. If that okay. makes sense, I like our that, running back room. Oh, go ahead. Go. Ahead. I'm sorry. Oh no, I was going to say that that does make sense. But you like the running back room. I like the run back room. I like Yeldon, what he came in and did in the playoffs. I like Williams, what he did, came in, rushed for almost 70 yards against the Dolphins. Um, we almost hung when we almost hung 60 on them. So I like yeah. the room. But the whole and we're gonna get off into the draft stuff next month. Um, 
But a lot of the rumors is us going running back with our uh, number 30 pick. If Brandon Bean, and he was executive of the year, according to Sporting News, too. So shout out to Brandon Bean for winning executive of the year. If he believes that we need that, I'm cool with that. If it's a, the running back out of Clemson or the uh, running back out of Bama, I'm okay with that. I just wish we could find at that number 30 pick, and we're going to talk more about it. I just wish we could go maybe linebacker or a pass rusher or maybe a tight end, somebody we immediate need. I feel a little differently about the running backs. Okay. I, I'm going to give them a B. And I will tell you why. Devin Singletary was number two in the NFL in yards after first contact. Zach Moss was 12th in the league in yards after initial contact. That tells me that those guys were averaging about four yards per carry and they were being hit way too early in those runs. And Brandon Bean said it in his press conference that the running backs we're not the problem with the running game. And I absolutely believe that. I, I think that we will talk about it when it comes to the offensive line, but they didn't have an awful lot to work with. And frankly, Zach Moss looks like he's an every down back. Uh, Devin Singletary really, really improved as a pass blocker. He showed that he could stand in there against blitzing linebackers and, and hold his own, which is something he couldn't do as a rookie, and I think he really needs accolades for showing how how hard he obviously worked at that in the offseason. Um, I think that we've got we've got two good running backs and some interesting depth pieces. I would not like to see Buffalo add anybody high in the draft as uh, as a running back. Um, I'm I'm giving these guys a B. That's fair. I can live with that. I mean, I just look at it like, okay, if Henry is the uh, cream of the crop, that's A. Then you mm-hmm. got the middle-level guys. You know, you could go with the kid from uh, Baltimore. They run the ball well. Pittsburgh runs it well. Um, uh, Kansas City running backs ready, but So I'm looking at those guys like B. So I would definitely put our running attack. And like I said, I mean – I feel like our room is better than the C, so that's why I can definitely agree with you. I'm just going off of like production, I guess, and what I see. So many times we had to put the game on uh, Josh Allen's back and our wide receivers' backs that yes. I, I feel like I can't give them more than the C at this point. But I, I mean, I, I wouldn't that argue sense. that. I wouldn't argue that. Yeah, that that makes sense. You don't want Josh Allen to be your leading rusher, right? And, and he was in the playoffs, so that that's bad. Mm-hmm. Okay. Moving to, should should we talk about the wide receivers or the offensive line next? Man, let's be positive, man. Let's go wide receivers. Wide receiver. Okay. I, I cannot imagine how you could come up with anything other or anything below an A for that group. You have the number one receiver in the NFL, who's an all-pro. You had a second all-pro in your slot receiver. Cole Beasley, who had an absolutely fantastic season, finished the season on a broken leg. You had you had Stephon Diggs really change the complexion of the offense. Gabriel Davis showed that he has some talent. He especially plays well when the play is breaking down and it turns into playground football. And you know he has a great knack for getting open both on the sidelines with his 
amazing field awareness and also in the red zone. John Brown was injured, did not have the season he did the year before where he uh, had a thousand yards receiving. Uh, hopefully he can make a comeback if he does stick on the team. And then you had your bit part players like Isaiah McKenzie and even a little bit of Andre Roberts, and they were nice depth pieces. I I like I like the group. If, if they came back next year with the exact same grouping, I would be thrilled because it was just two years ago not two seasons ago, three seasons ago, I should say, two calendar years ago, we were saying, oh my God, the Bills don't have anybody who can catch the football. Yep. Oh yeah. Boy, two off seasons made one heck of a difference there. Hey man, and kudos to our uh, wonderful GM, man. I'm with you. I gave them an A++. Like I said during the season, I said this before the season when I was buying Madden. I feel like we got the best wide receiver core in the league and uh, definitely top. When you look at our top three receivers, one, two, three, I'll take those three over anybody else's three. Now, you might have a duo that's better than ours, but you're not going to have three receivers. We got two all-pro receivers. One first team, one second team. So that shuts it all. Any argument you want to make, because a lot of people got on me, oh, man, Beasley, how the heck Beasley get all pro? Yeah, well, he made it. So whatever. We got the best wide receiver room in the league. When you look at them, I mean, and you talked about if we're going to be able to bring all these guys back, that's going to be a point of emphasis in the offseason because John Brown, if we uh, release him and put Gabriel Davis in in his spot, we'll save about $9 million, and we're going to need that money to pay Josh Allen. So yes. that's going to be a point of contention this uh, offseason. Um, I, I love our receivers. They were very dynamic and living, uh, leading with Stephon Diggs. I mean, 1,500, almost 1,600 yards, averaging 12 yards a catch. Uh, eight touchdowns, and then you got Beasley, almost a thousand yards. Gabriel Davis had a wonderful year this year, six hundred yards, averaging seventeen yards a catch. Damn, okay. seventeen yards a catch. So I, I mean, I will take this wide receiver room over anybody else's in the league, man. If hey, anybody's bro. asking how Cole Beasley could end up second team All Pro, I can sum it up for them in this stat. of his receptions became first downs. The guy is a chain mover and he's always open. He catches everything that comes his way. The the dude is amazing. And if you watch him run routes, and this is something that non-Bills fans don't get to appreciate, the way he runs his routes, where he does so many of these strange hesitation moves and he just gets the defenders flat-footed before he takes off running again. It's it's beautiful to watch him because I've never really seen a receiver do that with any level of consistency. So to anybody who's listening, go back and look at Cole Beasley and watch the way he does those hesitation moves. Nobody can stay with him when he does it. I dream about those moves, man. I tell you, I'll have to go back and look at it. It's so you, you got those moves yourself. I, I've seen you do them. Well, I mean, when I, I played a little tight end in college, so, I mean, I juked a couple people, but I'm going to tell you, man, I got friends that are Dallas Cowboy fans, man. 
Some of them live in Texas, they, you know, they're all over the country. And they are kicking themselves and congratulating us that Cole Beasley is doing as well as he, he, he is. I can't reiterate that enough. They are kicking themselves and are, is mad at Jerry Jones in their front office for letting a guy like that go. And I always tell you, one of my pillars in life is you never want to see a guy succeed that much once he leaves your team. Because once right. again, it makes it look like, oh, no, we don't want that guy. And then he goes on and ball. That makes it look like it's you, you know. So I was on a uh, a podcast last night with uh, a show called Moffat on the Mic with Craig Moffat and his boy Clem on the A1 Sports Network. And they are they're Jets guys through and through. They bring me on to talk about the Bills. And Craig Moffat keeps saying that he loves Cole Beasley, that Beasley is by far his favorite Bill, is one of his favorites in the NFL because Beasley reminds him of Wayne Krebet. Remember Wayne Krebet? I do. That guy was fun to watch because, like Cole Beasley, undersized, wasn't the fastest, caught everything that went his way and always got open. It's one of those guys that's really easy to root for, sort of like a Steve Tasker. Yeah, that's fair, man. I tell you, I mean, he made – like you already talked about how he moved the chains, which is impeccable, but it's over the middle, dude. Like you yeah. got to be pretty tough to to be able to make some of the catches over the middle because we see a lot of guys, man, they're Allegheny Army, man. They'll act like they're going for it, but they're really not. Beasley came up time and time again in the clutch, man, and I love that guy. Plus, he's, and I keep saying it, he's a rapper also, man. He got some pretty good music. Yeah, got some swag, right? I like it. Yeah, he's on point, Newt. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's now go to the last pseudo-skill position on offense, and let's talk about tight end, where we are looking at Dawson Knox, Tyler Croft, Lee Smith and Reggie Gillum. Those were the guys who who played in the tight end position for the Bills this past season. There was not a lot of production there, was there? Not at all, man. And, and we faced dynamic tight ends. I mean, all season long, the kid from Miami, uh, Baltimore's tight ends, and then obviously the last game against Kansas City. No, um, yeah. I mean, we need to find that. I mean, but the thing, the caveat about that is, even if we had that guy, would that change our whole offensive philosophy, you might ask? We ran a lot of one running back, no tight end sets, right? So that means that we're going four wide. We ran a lot of multiple receiver sets. I believe we ran more four wide than any team in the NFL this year. Right, right. And so... My thing is, even if we had a, that dynamic tight end, would we use them? So would we go more three wide receivers versus four? I mean, I don't know. But that's something that uh, Dable will have at his expense if we get our hands on a guy like that. Um, but once again, we saw firsthand having a dynamic what the dynamic tight end could do for our offense because we faced some good tight ends this year. Um I gave our tight end C's, and that's probably being very generous generous because I'm – you know, in a great move, but our tight end, uh, <laughs> our tight end group uh, room has to definitely improve. I don't know how that's going to happen unless we draft one, um, because once again, we're going to be strapped as far as money as the salary cap is concerned. But uh, I'm sure we're going to. 
Tyler Croft, mm-hmm. about 100 yards receiving, man. I don't know if he's going to be back on the roster next year. Probably not. Okay, Dawson Knox, I mean, he, he's still young, so we work with him, but it's like how much time are you going to give him? Lee Smith, I don't – I mean, he might be calling it quits. All right. And then uh, uh, what's the fourth one? Uh, Reggie Gilliam, mm-hmm. he, he's a converted fullback. So, I mean – we need to get better at that position. I'm going to be generous and give them a C, but it's not dynamic at all. That is generous because I'm giving them a D plus. Um, and, and the reason I'm giving them a D plus is that Dawson Knox frustrates me more than anybody on the roster because he has so much physical talent. He's a great athlete. He's aggressive. He gets under the opposing team's skin because he blocks until after the whistle. I I love his attitude out there, but man, he drops the ball. He runs bad routes. And really when he's on the field, they're using him as an outlet receiver because he just hasn't put it together yet. And now granted when he was in college, they really didn't use a tight end to, you know, to as a receiver very often. So he's still learning. Lee Smith, he's a great blocker, but that's about it. Tyler Croft and Reggie Gillum, they're just guys at, at this point. Tyler Croft is a, a middling player. He's probably, you know, the 25th to 35th best tight end in the NFL. Maybe. I don't, I don't know. Maybe worse than that. Um, Gillum is going to be more of a special teams player. I would really like to have somebody that they could rely on somebody with Dawson Knox's physical skills, but better hands and a better route runner. Somebody who could attack the seams in the middle of the field, I think would be fantastic for opening things up for the receivers coming in underneath that. Somebody who who could attack the seams and be a matchup nightmare. You look at Kansas City with uh, with with Chris Kelsey. He's too fast for a linebacker to cover. He's too big for a DB to cover. What do you do with that guy? Well, I wish Buffalo had that matchup nightmare on their roster at the tight end position. They just don't. So they're actually getting a D plus, which is probably going to be the worst grade that I give any position group considering like you brought up at the beginning this team went to the AFC championship they're a really good team right and it feels like we're nitpicking but I mean that's what the grades are for man you gotta be honest you have to know who you are in order to figure out who you want to become and that's what we're doing here and that's what we want to do man we want to be able to beat Kansas City so yep Okay, the offensive line. The offensive line, to me, was the tale of two offensive lines, and it depended whether they were pass blocking or run blocking. Pass blocking, they were pretty darn competent this year. Run blocking, they didn't seem to get anything done. (laughs) How would you grade them? I gave them a B. I look okay. like pass blocking, they were probably about an A minus B plus. Run blocking, I mean, it's pedestrian. I mean, C. So I just kind of averaged it out, and I just went ahead and gave him a B, man. Plus, once again, I'm feeling good because we had a great season. Yeah. Um, it, it's multi-layer when you're talking about the team. 
Um, I love the acquisition of Daryl Williams. Um, mm-hmm. It turned out good. Mitch Morris, I feel like, is is slowing down. Feliciano, I feel like we could agree that Feliciano was probably the best lineman. And then Deion Dawkins, I mean, he was solid the left side. Um, and once again, we're gonna I can't say this enough. I know we're next over the next two months, we're gonna talk about how we got we could get people in to help and you know the draft or whatnot. I would say right now that we probably gonna need two new linemen next year. Okay, because I don't know what Cordy Ford is gonna look like when he comes back. Brian Winters looked like a failure as a uh free equi- free agent acquisition. Ike Buttinger, I mean, he was solid, I guess, but I mean, I would imagine you want to be better. Uh, once again, to save money on the cap, I don't know if Mitch Morris would be in our future plans, and uh, maybe that right guard spot. Once again, I don't know what Cordy Ford is going to come back looking like. So I would guess right now, early on, that we're going to probably two of those offensive linemen probably won't be there next season. Pro Football Focus ranked Daryl Williams as the best offensive lineman for the Bills at 79.4, followed by Deion Dawkins at 78.1. Those are very good scores. The next three were Mitch Morris at 65.8, Ike Butker at 65.3, and John Feliciano at 64.6. Those are um, th- those are fairly average grades. I think I that can- Morris... I'm sorry. I'm sorry to interrupt you. I can't believe that, but go ahead. I, uh, I can't believe that they got John Feliciano's average. Okay. Go ahead. Mitch Morris, I think, was knocked down a bit because what the Bills were doing this year is not what Mitch Morris does in the running attack. The Bills were almost exclusively a zone-blocking team this year, and I think that's because there was a lot of turnover on the offensive line. Mitch Morris is a gap blocker in the running game. He is a guy who needs to pull out in front of outside zone run or outside runs. They're gap runs, not zone runs, but he needs to be a lead blocker, not a guy who's going to try to maul a nose tackle. That's, that's not what he does. And his run grade suffered as a result of that. Now coming up at the bottom uh, of this list, Brian Winters at 54.6 and Cody Ford at 53.8. Those are terrible overall grades. Cody Ford, we need something from you, buddy. There's some great film out there of him just pancaking dudes, and he does it with a lot of attitude. Unfortunately, his hand placement doesn't seem to be very good. He doesn't move his feet all that great. The guy is definitely not a tackle. I hope they don't try to continue with that experiment in the future. He looks like to me like a left guard. But overall, I... I, I'm with you. I think I give them a B because I thought they pass blocked well and they did not run block well. About a C there. So averages out to a B. Hmm, we agree. What's that? I said we agree. Yes, we agree. And Feliciano, for all of the attitude he brings and uh, the leadership, I just I don't think he's a great offensive lineman. I just think he happened to be so much better than Brian Winters that it seemed like he was better than he actually is. Yeah, that's fair. Okay. Switching over to the defensive side of the ball. Let's start with the guys up front there. So, we had 
We had an interesting defensive season, wouldn't you say? From times looking like they were lost to times looking like they were dominant. Which way was the Bills defense going this past season? I think it starts up front. So how would you rank the defensive line? C. And that's being C. Yeah, we we had a scheme. We talked about it all season. We had a scheme our way to pressures, and that's not good. We probably made it further than what we probably should have been, and you just saw how much Starla Tulele not playing this year hurt us. Trent Murphy, I mean, I I only remember maybe one or two games where he was even an impact. Uh, Mario Addison, as Vanessa, I mean – and Oliver probably suffered because of not having a star in the lineup next to him. Uh, Jerry yeah. Hughes, I mean, he he was probably the best of what we had. He's getting older. So, I mean, it was just very pedestrian average. I mean, I just hope it, with that 30th pick, I can't reiterate that enough, that I hope we could go and get a pass rusher somehow. I don't, I don't know, but – we need Star Latula Lake because that's gonna help the linebackers also. Um, but yeah, it was just it was just average. I just gave it a C. I think that I'm probably going to give a C plus. And that is because Jerry Hughes again was really good this year. The guy, according to football pro football focus, ranked number five in uh pass rushing. You know, that's fantastic. I think that Ed Oliver had a better season than people give him credit for. Just because he didn't fill up the stat sheet doesn't mean that he didn't play well. But when you look at the other guys on the line, there was a lot to be desired. Uh, Mario Addison had a terrible time setting the edge and didn't put up the pass rush numbers that we've seen him do in the past before he came to the Bills. A.J. Epinesa looked lost for a good portion of the season. They didn't get much out of um, Quentin Jefferson or Vernon Butler. Justin Zimmer, though, was a very pleasant surprise. He ended up fifth on the team in quarterback hits, and that was despite only playing about 25% of the defensive snaps this year. It looks like he's a guy who can pass rush a little bit. And he was an undrafted free agent, uh, found his way to the practice squad, and then found his way promoted to the active roster after that. So he makes for a good story. But eh, they were really a problem, I, I would say. They they didn't get a pass rush, and they didn't control the offensive line when it came to uh, stopping the run. So when you saw those huge like chunk gains against the Bills when the other team was running the ball, that was on the D-line, and I gave them a C-plus, didn't I? I'm going to lower that to a C. You just wanted to disagree with me, man. You know they were average. Just go ahead and give them the C. I I did want to disagree with you, but I, I don't think I can. I don't think I can. I feel like they definitely took a step back, and, and some of that is personnel to – we lost a uh, good D lineman in free agency. I mean, and then we try to replace him with guys like Mario Addison, Quentin Jefferson, Zimmer. Like you said, you pointed out he was a pleasant surprise. Harrison Phillips. Eh. So I mean, you could just tell that the salary cap. We we didn't want to keep. Uh, they went to Miami. 
Lawson, Lawson Shaq Lawson. And then Shaq, yep, Shaq Lawson, and then uh, the kid in Arizona, too. So, I mean, that's the thing, man. As we get better and we start paying people, we're going to start losing people. So, we got to adequately draft. And that's why I keep saying, once you talk about paying a quarterback, man, you got to make sure your draft's on point. So, A.J. Epineza, he has to hit. He has to hit. Once right. you play Josh Allen, that's going to be he, – so, whoever we draft this year, they have to hit. Once you pay a quarterback, if not, it doesn't matter. You We will be stuck in that same – or we'll make the playoffs, that's fine, but we won't be good enough to get better. And I can't right. reiterate that enough. That's the bad side of success. That's the ugly side of it. So, we got to hit on these second, third-round picks, man. Absolutely do. Uh, so I, I think, and we're going to get into this in another show, but this is the group where you are going to see guys let go in order to make salary cap space because they did not live up to their contracts. I agree. Let's talk about linebackers. It was very interesting because we saw just how big of an impact at least one of them has when he's not on the field. What do you think about the linebackers this past season? I gave him a B plus. Um, and if, like I said, if Stoller Tule plays, I feel like Tremaine Edmonds would have been even better. And he made a Pro Bowl this year. So I gave him a B plus. Milano, he's amazing. And it's and I'm you're gonna try to touch on when you talk. We might have to lose him because he's gonna command great money. So it's gonna be a situation where I don't even want to talk about it. It's just <laughs> it, I don't I don't even want to think of the thought of losing Matt Milano, dude. And it's but that's we're a prisoner of success. So I said B plus. We have a pro bowler in the mix. Milano is one of the best cover linebackers in the league, in my opinion. He could cover people and he rushed the passer. AJ Klein. Okay. He mm-hmm. started off slow, man. We butchered him at the beginning of the season, then he turned it on and was very serviceable throughout. So I, I gave the group a B plus. Yeah, I I'm gonna lower it to a B because I don't think Tremaine Edmonds played all that well. Granted, he was injured a, a good portion of the time. But frankly, I think Edmonds is a little overrated. I, I think that he has struggled with recognition. He's struggled getting off of blocks. He's a few years into his career at this point. He should be showing more improvement in those areas than he has. Now, granted, he's still only like 22 years old. He, he's right. very young, but at some point he has to be more than potential and he has to start putting it together. Now, You saw him play a lot better when Milano was on the field. It was absolutely amazing to me how much better the entire defense looked when Milano could play full-time. I mean, the amount that he brings to the defense is... It's sort of staggering when you see his ability to stop the run, rush the passer, drop into coverage. The The amount of... real estate that he can cover makes a huge difference to the team and the players around him a lot better. And in fact, his movements, you can tell what he's doing on the field triggers what uh, what Edmonds is going to do next. It's amazing to watch Edmonds take reads from Milano because Milano is just so instinctual out there. AJ Klein was... <laughs> 
eh, I mean, he had a couple of good games. He had a couple just truly awful games. Um, to me, he's more of a depth piece, but they're paying him like a starter. And I was concerned when they brought him in last year that their plan all along was to let Milano go and use Klein in place of him. I would prefer that they start somebody better than Klein, but I don't know if that's going to be economically feasible. And then you had guys like Terrell Dodson, young guys who got on the field a little bit. You had Andre Smith play mostly on special teams. I don't think that we saw enough of them to really to really put a grade on them, but they didn't stand out either. So I go with a B. That's fair. Okay. That's fair. How do you feel about the cornerbacks? Well, I just gave the whole group. Um, when you talk about the DBs, the cornerbacks, and the safeties, I just gave the group an A-. minus. I mean, Tredavis White, all pro, pro bowl. Yep. Um, I love our safeties, Poirier and High, good seasons, solid. And I just feel like they, they are the group that make our defenses go. Mm-hmm. Um they're very veteran, very savvy. Uh, Josh Norman came up, and so, and then obviously the play of the year, um, the interception that gets Baltimore comes from that group. I feel like that's the play of our season from uh, Teron Johnson. Uh huh. And so I, I gave them an A minus. I feel like they're solid all around. If we can find a, another starting corner opposite of Tre'Davious White, fine. But we got him locked into a long term deal. Uh, Wallace, I don't know if we're going to retain uh, Josh Norman after this season. Um, but with Levi Wallace, Teron Johnson, maybe we bring in one more. I'm happy with this group going forward. I'm very happy with Trey White. Teron Johnson really turned it on over the course of the season. And he's he's an excellent nickel cornerback. Jordan Poyer is probably the most underrated defensive back in the NFL. Um, He didn't have the numbers that he had previously, but uh, your other boy back there at safety, um, Micah Hyde, thank you. Um, Great hands. He's, He's a ball hawk back there. But when it comes to the other cornerbacks, I think the Bills had to really scheme to to hide their deficiencies. They truly showed that they couldn't cover man-to-man, and Levi Wallace gets owned by bigger receivers. Josh Norman, it was it was a good idea. I don't think it worked out. Um, there's a little bit of depth there. Cam Lewis, uh, Dane Jackson looks like he's going to compete next year, but didn't get on the field very much this season. When we did see him, though, he looked like he was a, a decent corner. A little undersized, but, you know, to get a value like that in the seventh round, that's some good scouting right there. Um, I'm going to go with a B-plus on that. Um, They would be an A to me, but they get knocked down a couple of pegs because the starting outside corner across from Trey White really made me nervous all season. If they were just a little bit better, it would have been an A for me. So that then takes us down to the final group, and I'm going to lump all of the special teams together. How did you feel about that, Big Newt? I gave him a B plus, man. We got a, a, a all pro and a pro bowler return man. 
Andre Roberts. I mean, he's the reason. And once again, that's a great acquisition from Brandon Bean, bringing him in. He was a pro bowler before he got there. He's been one with us, man. And he really moves the chains with his returns, had almost 1,000 yards and kickoff returns, uh, averaged almost 10 yards return on punts. Uh, then you got McKenzie. He broke that kickoff return or that punt return, I believe, against Miami. Mm-hmm. And had a touchdown there, man. So we got big plays from special teams. Tyler Bass had a great season this year. Uh, Corey Vorquez, um, solid at punting. So He's I gave, mashing this year. Yeah, I gave the group a B plus, man. I, I really enjoyed it. I'm going to give them. I think I'm going to give them somewhere between an A and an A plus. Okay. Um, a nearly plus because their coverage units were good. Tyler Medikavich made a big difference. Uh, so did Taiwan Jones. Great gunner. That great is- return game. Um, Bajorquez, I think, led the NFL in uh, average yards per punt. And Tyler Bass, despite getting off to a slow start, he became virtually automatic with a big leg. And at the beginning of the season, I was thinking that Hauschka was laughing at us. Um, but, you know, Bass figured it out. And I, I think the Bills are going to be set at kicker for the next five, 10 years with those two. Um, you would like to see Bajorquez be a little bit more consistent because he does have a tendency to shank him once in a while. I would also like, if we're nitpicking here, I would like to see Bajorquez get a little bit better at dropping the ball outside of the end zone. I, I feel like he had more touchbacks than he probably should have. So I'd like to see him figure out his touch a little bit. But overall, they didn't give up many big plays. And that's exactly what I want from them. They didn't turn the ball over. They got a couple of turnovers. It was it was a good season from the special teams units. That's fair, man. Yeah, I, I can live with that, man. I B plus, A minus. That's where I am with it. Cool. Well, you add it all together, and you know what we've got? A really good freaking team. The team that won the AFC East and went to the AFC damn championship. Don't wrap it up yet, man. We ain't done, man. I got grades for our coaching, front office. Real quick, if I'll just touch on it, man. I, I give our coaching staff an A. Uh, Sean McDermott finished second for Coach of the Year in the NFL Honors. Brian Dable, who we retained, I'm so happy for the continuity. He was assistant Coach of the Year, according Mm -hmm. to NFL Honors. And then we're bringing back Leslie Frazier. He didn't get the Houston job. So we're going to have continuity. So I'm giving us an A-plus culture-wise. And then as far as front office is concerned, once again, Brandon Bean won executive of the year. I'm giving him an A also. Maybe an A-minus. Maybe an A-minus. You're dinging him for trading Wyatt Teller a couple of years ago, aren't oh, you? Oh, I hate him for that. I hate him. Yep. I hate, you know how much I love Wyatt Teller, man. And also, I'm, I, I need to see these draft picks, man. They got to start hitting. I know it takes a little time, but we got to come on. We got to get these guys going. So I give him an A-minus, man, and it's fluid. So we might correct it. So it might move up. Absolutely. And, and we'll see. There's a certain all pro defensive end out there that is suddenly available. What's Brandon Bean going to do about that? We can't nearly afford JJ Watt. (laughs) Well, you know, he was making over 17 million last season. And if he's looking for that amount of money, 
No, they can't. If he's willing to play for $10 million, I'll bet you they could figure out how to bring him in. From what we're hearing now is I'm hearing that Cleveland, who has the most cap space in the league, is a leader for him. And if he doesn't go there, I would imagine he might go to Pittsburgh if they could find money for him or play with his two brothers. Yeah, well, they're $20 million over the cap, so I don't see any way in which they're going to be able to do it unless he plays for pennies on the dollar to True. go to Pittsburgh just to play with family. Um, they're talking about uh, the Packers being hot on his tail because they really haven't had a good defensive line in years, really. Uh, they've got Zadarius Smith, but he's a linebacker. So, um, yeah, I mean, there's going to be a lot of competition for this guy. If it becomes a, a bidding war, Buffalo isn't going anywhere. But if there's some intangibles that he's looking for, like a good young quarterback, a talented defense, a defensive-minded head coach, there is a good case to be made for Buffalo. That's true, my friend. Before we sign off, man, I want to talk about a few things, man. Shout out to Jesse Pagula, Terry and Kim Pagula. Um, yeah. uh, daughters playing Australian Open in quarterfinals probably at like 1 o'clock in the morning or something like that. I'm not big on tennis, but shout out to her. Uh, when she had the big upset the other day, she shouted out Bill's Mafia. So that was cool to see on the yeah. world stage. And uh, also, did you see your boy Tom Brady after the Super Bowl, man? He was he got hammered and was talking, tossing around the Lombardi Trophy, and they had to carry him out. You see that? Oh, I did see that. And, you know, <laughs> people were giving him such a hard time about that. But I, I saw this tweet. And there, he was like, uh, whoever wrote it said something along the lines of, dude, He's celebrating winning his seventh Super Bowl. So he drank an awful lot. That's what you do on Friday night just because. <laughs> that is true. I have no problem with that. I just got a problem with him getting carried out, man. We got girls in Bill's Mafia that can uh, drink more than Tom Brady. So I think that's what I'm hammering about. Hey, as a fellow drinker, man, I get it. You know what I'm saying? You get a little weak in the legs. But, uh, yeah, man, you got to be able to sober up and be able to walk up out of there. Don't let nobody carry you out of the joint. Well, I, I got to say, you, you can look at Tom Brady and know that he can't hold his liquor. There, there's no chance that that guy can drink with his teammates. Just no way. No way. He's too much of a pretty boy. I totally agree. I'll put Stacy up against him anytime. I'll take it. My money's on Stacy against Tom. Brady. Hell yeah. I, I would love to see how many empty uh, Labatt blue bottles there would be at, at his feet before he was getting all, uh, getting all tipsy. Uh, I'm sure it's like four or five, which is not very many for a dude his size. Exactly. I've seen you drink four or five in 10 minutes. Yeah, man. That's nothing to me. <laughs> bathroom. That's why I got to go with the, you know, the harder stuff. Yeah, man. I've also seen you eat like 60 wings in a setting and you wouldn't share any with me. And I was ever so hungry. I'm like, sir, may I please, may I please have a wing? I'm so hungry. Like, you see that one there? That screwed up looking one with all the hair on it and shit? Yeah, you can have that one. <laughs> I'm so famished. Could you please spare with things? <laughs> no, get out of here. Yeah. Yep. So, 
little foreshadow of what's coming in uh, our future episodes. We're taking a look at the the state of the bills when it comes to free agency and what their needs are coming up because you have to know what you've got in order to know what you need and what to do next. We're going to take you all the way through that, all the way through the off season, right up to training camp into next season, hopefully a Super Bowl victory. Jamie D and Big Newt is going to be the show that keeps you connected with the Buffalo Bills from now into next season. Big man, give us a song. I want to first say RIP to Vincent Jackson. We lost him yesterday. Everybody, we can't employ you enough. We're a year into a pandemic, man. Make sure that you all take care of not only your physical health, but your mental health also, man. Talk to somebody, man. Hey, hey! Claude 3 from Anthropic is your one-stop shop for enterprise AI. With models at every point of the price-performance curve, you no longer have to make trade-offs between intelligence, speed, and cost. Claude 3 Opus sets new industry benchmarks for intelligence. Sonnet strikes the perfect balance between skill and speed. And Haiku is the fastest and lowest-cost model on the market, perfectly designed for high-volume, high-speed use cases. Join the thousands of enterprises who use Anthropic to navigate this new frontier. Visit anthropic.com slash Claude, C-L-A-U-D-E, today. Jumpstart your genius with Claude 3 by Anthropic. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today. 